0: Hey, this is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that today's message will not only challenge, but encourage and inspire you to see God's purpose for you. Enjoy the message. We have two weeks left, this week and next week, in the Power of Ten. Then we're moving on to to, uh, the Gospel of Mark, all the way up through Easter. And I can't wait to take you on that journey uh, through the Gospel of Mark. So today's title is Theft. Theft. And the big idea is this, in order to be a free people, in order to be a free people, we must trust others, uh, treat others with respect and understand that our personal desires do not entitle us to what is not rightfully ours. Our personal desires, our feelings, we live in a culture that's all about our feelings. How do I feel? Does not entitle us to what is not rightfully ours. You got something I want, you don't owe it to me, okay? If I don't own it, it's not mine, I can't take it, okay? So we're going to get into that in a bunch of different ways. But just as a, a, a precursor, remember that the power of the Ten Commandments is the power to take a group of liberated slaves who have never lived with the responsibility of freedom and turn them into a free people who are able to develop into a sophisticated civilization that dominated the historical narrative. That's what we're talking about. A group of people. God gives this, uh, this law to them. They were slaves, but now they're free. How then should they live? And I think that's a great question for us too. We were slaves to sin, and now we're free people. How then ought we to live? And this narrative helps us. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Uh, excuse me, Verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 18 says this. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give honest, dishonest testimony against your neighbor. Do not testify falsely against your neighbor. Today, we're gonna move from back to front. All right, I wanna start with number nine and then move Back to number seven, because I wanna end on seven, because I really wanna talk about it, because it's, it's a huge part of the problems that we are facing in our own culture. Not that all these are not, but that one is specifically. So commandment number nine, don't lie about people. Don't do it, don't lie about people. Leviticus chapter 19 fleshes this out a little bit more. It says, you shall, not, uh, you shall do no injustice in court, you should not be partial to the poor or differ to the great. It means just be honest. If they're poor, doesn't mean they get to do things that are against the law. Did you have, your pity should not extend to allowing them to sin. If they're great, you shouldn't try to take them down a notch because they're great. Be honest. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. This is actually a really big deal, okay? This command is here to combat the sinful tendency to steal people's good name in order to build ourselves up. have never seen the movie Mean Girls. That's what it is. A, this commandment is just for that, okay? Uh, most likely, you would never perjure yourself in a court of law. Most likely, I, I would assume most of you in this room, if not all of you, if you were sitting in the, and you had to put your hand in the Bible and you know the whole truth, nothing but the truth type of stuff, you would not perjure yourself. You would be as honest as you could. But we've all been tempted to take someone down a peg by gossiping and embellishing the truth about someone. It's not really a lie. I'm just, just tweaking it. I'm just making it a better story right? Someone is better at something than we are, so we discredit them, discredit their ability, like making ourselves look better. We discredit them. We try to throw things at them that aren't true about them so that we look better because we don't like to be not better. <laughs> Maybe someone has a, a natural beauty that you wish you had, so you try to steal the reputation in order to level the playing field. That's that Mean Girls movie. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. By the way, next week is the 10th commandment, and everybody glosses over the 10th commandment, but I'm going to prove to you that the infraction of the 10th commandment is basically what's tearing our culture apart. That one is, 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 is the one we have the most difficulty in in the West today. Anyway, keep going. We are admonished to be truthful, And not to rob someone else of their name just to further our own goals or to build ourselves up. Don't rob somebody of their good name. It hurts. It hurts. It's a violation of someone's basic, something basic to humanity, right? An honorable name. This used to be a much bigger deal. People's credibility and marketability are often dependent on their good name. False testimony could hurt someone's employment status. False testimony could hurt someone's prospects for a future spouse. Back in the day, duels were fought over slights on someone's honor. You should bring the duels back. I'm more with the sword one. I am not know the gun one. I don't get that one. But uh, I mean, honestly, honor was a, a huge deal in a culture just, I mean, we're talking, uh, I read a book about the, the grandson of Francis Scott Key. He wrote the, our national anthem, right? Francis Scott Key. They literally had a duel post-Civil War time in the streets of Washington, D.C., over Honor not that long ago. Maybe we need to recapture a sense of honor. It's a big deal. Lies hurt. Anybody ever had a lie or somebody slander your name? It hurts. It hurts. Don't do it. Commandment number eight. Don't steal. Moving on. I mean, come on, don't steal. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Leviticus 19 again says, you shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. This is where this, this commandment kind of gets ramped up. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. What does that mean? Don't withhold what somebody else deserves so that you can get a few days more interest on it. Just, I just want, I, I want my money to, I want the money to work for me just for a few more days. I'll pay them at the end of the week. That's what that was going on in this culture right here. Just, they just, you know, just, oh, pull it off a little bit, earn a little bit more on my own. Said, no, just give it to them. They earned it. They own it. It's theirs. It's not yours. This commandment is inclusive of much more than just burgling someone's house. This includes not swindling. Using false scales, defrauding, holding back earning wages so that you can gain more interest. It has to do with the treating of people fairly and compassionately when it comes to the realm of finance. If it's not yours, you have no right to it. Which means if you have a, you, you enter into a deal with somebody and they have worked, that is... Money is no longer yours, it is theirs. They have worked for it, they have earned it. You cannot keep it any longer than that. That's what you're saying. It's very important, okay? It's not yours, you have no right to it. If you didn't earn it, you don't own it. Develop a good work ethic. Develop a good work ethic. Stop being beholden to others especially the government, for your financial well-being. Don't let the temptation of stuff others have lead you down a path of discontentment and covetousness. We'll get to the again, we'll get to that next week. Get off your butt. Work hard. Own your stuff. Don't take it. Own it. Don't take it. I said the word but. That's why I let the kids go. Yes, yeah, that's the PG-13 rating right there. No. Work hard. Own your stuff. Don't take it. So, we don't steal people's reputations. And we don't steal people's stuff. And we don't steal people's spouses. Theft. Commandment number seven. Don't commit adultery. We all understand in its most obvious form what this commandment is. Here is the dictionary definition, adultery. Voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and a person who is not his or her spouse. That's what it is. Again, this is a command that speaks directly to the importance of the institution of family. Remember we talked last week, the, the family is so vitally important for, for civilization building. Because the family is most basic and important institution of humanity, anything that seeks to undermine this fundamental civilization building institution, such as the honoring of one's parents and the sanctity of marriage, God protects and codifies into law. These things are important to God. They should be important to us. They should be important to us. So let's talk briefly about adultery in the most basic forms. Today's loose moral code often makes the seventh commandment sound quaint or prudish. Guess what? I am a huge prude. I'm a huge prude who loves TV and movies. They they don't go well together. Um, So this Christmas, I asked for what's called a a a VidAngel subscription. Now, VidAngel is a subscription that you can log on to, and you can watch a lot of shows and movies through their filters. So it filters out bad language. It filters out uh, sexual content, things like that. Um, So I'm all excited, right? I'm all excited. I got this. I can watch. There's some shows out there that I, I know I can't watch because I'm such a huge prude. Um, I can't watch that show. I can't do that. I've made a covenant with my eyes. I can't, can't do that. But now with this program, I can. with this new thing, I can watch a lot of these shows that everybody's talking to me. is like, these are great shows. All right. So I won't tell you the name of the show, but I, 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 I logged one up onto my VidAngel subscription. And I'm watching this show, and I have no idea what's going on. I cannot figure out what is happening in this show. It's it's cut, it's sliced, it's muted, it's, I mean, I can't figure, I can't even figure out the plot of it. It was just, it was so jam packed, full of questionable content that I couldn't, it didn't even make any sense. Like Apparently the entire plot of this show was something I can't watch. (laughs) And this is a show that I know many of my brothers and sisters in Christ think is a great show. So yes, I am a prude. Sue me. I couldn't watch it. It was, un- it was unwatchable. Um, we gotta, guys, we have to make a covenant with our eyes. We have to be sure that we understand that just because the world says this piece of art is good doesn't mean it's good for you or me. And sometimes I think, Calling it art is a stretch. We should call it what it is, garbage, smut. Our culture has gotten so lax. It's not because God has changed, but because we have become numb to the value of the covenant of marriage due to a culture and a societal degradation of the sanctity of the body, the sanctity of sex, and of the family. We have reduced sex to a physical act, disconnected from the emotional, mental, and spiritual being, relegating human beings to mere objects of or playthings rather than the precious, image-bearing creation of God that they are. Sex is not just a physical act. It's the mingling of souls. It's that one flesh. It's where two become one. It's vitally important to God. Because it is the it is the bed bed. Uh, it is the bed. It is the bedrock, is what I'm trying to say. The bedrock of family, familial relationships which builds society, which build the world. This bond is meant to be protected and cultivated within the covenant relationship of marriage between a man and a woman. Let me say that again just so that I'm not confused from this pulpit. The bond is meant to be protected and cultivated, which means this, it's really good for you. When it comes to that, no prude. Go for it. As long as it is within the bond of marriage between a man and a woman. That is what God says. You can get all upset with me about that, but I stand on the word of God. All right? Um, For the purpose of ensuring the health and prosperity of the family unit. God's definition of adultery is far more expansive than just don't cheat on your spouse physically. It's much more expansive than that. Matthew 5, 27 says this, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks upon a a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is asserting that lust is as screwed up and contrary to the original design as outright adultery. He's saying, this is not okay. This is not okay. This is as messed up and screwed up as as the physical act as to how I created human beings. This is not okay. So often we try to play games with God's standards. We push the limits of his boundaries and see how close we can get to sin without actually getting bit by it. As far as God is concerned, Sin is always breathed breathed in the sacred places of the mind. We have pushed this line so far in our culture that we have said, as long as I don't get pregnant, get an STD, as long as I'm not, as long as these things don't bite me, I'm okay. Well, in fact, if I do get pregnant, guess what? I can just get rid of the baby. We have pushed those boundaries so far from God's design for our lives. And I'm saying, we got we to start setting some standards in the church because the church is not guiltless on this. Got to make a covenant with our eyes. As far as God is concerned, sin is always breathed, birthed in the secret places of the mind. James 1.14 says this. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own desires and enticed. That is temptation. Then after desire is conceived, when that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Once you've seen it and it's something that tempts you and you start to conceive and think about it and meditate on that thought, that's when sin comes in. It's progressive. Sin comes in. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to sin. Wow, that's pretty, you're you're laying it on pretty thick, pastor. Actually, no, James is. You can argue with James on that one. Guys, I'm gonna tell you, this is why pornography is so dangerous. So dangerous. First off, it steals the dignity of uh, of another image bearer of God and dehumanizes them into an object to be lusted over. It strips them it it steals their dignity, their honor and makes them into an object of lust. Think about it this way. That's a real person that God loves and for whom Christ died. That is a person, not an object. They were created in the image of God for more than just your lustful pleasures. Secondly, it steals the innocence and the splendor of the one flesh relationship because you now com- you're now you not comparing your spouse or future spouse to an unrealistic and often unhealthy standard. You're, you just stole from your future spouse something that they, they deserve. They deserve that. They deserve you and you alone. That's what, how God designed it finally, it's only the beginning of our journey because it becomes uh, addictive and continually calls for escalation. Remember, it's conceived in the mind, and then it turns into sin. Now, ladies, you are not off the hook with this. I don't know if you realize this, but men and women are different. Contrary to popular belief these days, men and women are different. Men are very visual. Men are very visual. Women, you are very emotional. Um, 70 million copies of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey were sold. Fifty Shades of Grey. Christian Grey, what a great name. Did not read the book. Thank God. But forty percent of the viewers, of, of readers polled said that they were born again Christians. We're different. We just we deal with our sin different. We gotta be careful. We made a covenant with our eyes. Jesus addresses pornography directly after his comparison of lust and adultery. When he says, you know, if you even lust after a woman, you commit adultery with her in mind. Then he goes on in verse 29 and says this if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Get one of those grapefruit spoons. They <laughs> you know, get the little prongs on it, it makes it easier, trust me. Uh, you know, gouge it out, throw it away. He's like, ew. you don't even think about grapefruit the same way now. Um, If your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose a part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. 30. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. This stuff is serious. Trying to break the tension with the whole grapefruit spoon thing, but it's serious. Serious stuff. It's damaging. It's damaging to you as a person. It's damaging to the the, the people who are involved in this industry. It's damaging to the family. I'm telling you, it's so damaging to the family. What is cultivated in the mind, if not brought under submission and under alignment with God's design, will lead down a path that leads to destruction. Destruction. Paul really lays it out thick in his letter to the Romans. Everybody's like, uh-oh, he's going to Romans 1. Yep. Romans chapter 1, verse 21 says this. For anything, uh, for although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. What does that mean? It means this. They knew God but they weren't thankful for what God had decreed. They weren't thankful for God's design. They weren't thankful for what God had given him. They wanted something outside of that. It's the story of the Garden of Eden every single day in every human heart. I am not content with what God has given. He's so good, but he's not content. Therefore, God gave them over, verse 24, to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. He's like, you want that? I'm not gonna stand in your way. It's not gonna be good for you, I've given you what's gonna be good for you, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna make you. For this, uh, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the man uh, likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men uh, committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. This, it sounds like, wow, that's past. You're way, you're going way. I'm telling you this. This starts very small. This progression starts in the mind. It starts in the mind, and it's not good for our culture. Verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a detestable mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled, now this goes into, like just think about, as I'm reading this list, just think about the 10 commandments and and the law, ready? They were filled, this stuff leads to this. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents is right near inventors of evil, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they, did not, they, did, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. We like to focus on the first part in the church, you know, all that uh, deviant sexuality stuff. There is a ton of stuff in here that these people, a depraved mind leads you to. It leads you to this. It leads you to things that we do every day. Um, Strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossiping, slander. We just talked about slander. Uh, Haughtiness, boastfulness, disobedience to parents. Faithless, heartless, ruthless. I mean, these are things that we all do. You may, you, we, well, that's for them. That's for those depraved people, the people with the depraved minds. This is telling me that my mind is pr- plenty depraved and I need to make a covenant with my eyes. I am capable of a lot more than I think. I have to keep a, make a covenant with my eyes. Paul is telling us that if we are not careful to, to bring our lustful desires under submission to God's design for human beings, We will start down a road to destruction that will lead to the destruction of self and, to the greater extent, civilized society. We need to draw a line in the sand today for the benefit of our children and our children's children that upholds God's standards for morality. It's not prudish to be moral, it's godly. To be moral. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's morality. Be truthful, right? Don't engage in gossip. That's a moral issue. It's damaging. Develop a good work ethic. Don't take others' stuff. Let the Holy Spirit create in you a sense of honor and appreciation for the opposite sex that is more than skin deep. Don't allow the culture to dictate the value of marriage. I get to do a lot of weddings as a pastor. And what I've seen, just I've been doing this for 20-something years now, and what I've seen even in my short tenure as a pastor on this earth, I have seen the trend move from the sacredness, from the, from the, from the focus of the wedding being on the ceremony. This is among Christians, because I, I, don't, I don't do just random weddings. I just do weddings of people in the church or people that I know. I don't do, I'm not like, you know, weddings are us, I'm not doing that. Um, it's a lot of money in that, by the way, but I didn't do it, I didn't do it. Uh, but here's the thing, just amongst Christians, but the emphasis has moved from the, the, the ceremony being the big thing to the party being the big thing. I'm not even joking. That has become the most important part of weddings in just in the last 20 years. It moved from the sacredness of the covenant relationship that is being uh, consummated in that marriage to now how quickly can we get through this so that we can get to the, the party. Now I'm all about moving on to the food quickly. But what's most important? Take captive the temptations in the mind that grow into thoughts, patterns that will only lead you into actions that will destroy you and your families. So for all of us in here who have struggled with things like this, because they do become addictions. They become they, very difficult uh, habits to break. Is there hope? Is there hope? Yes. Wouldn't that be awful if I just said no? You're done? Is there hope? Nope, no hope. <laughs> I'm going to give you three quick stories, and then I'm, I'm done. I'm actually doing pretty, doing pretty well here. Three some quick stories. I'm going to give you three quick examples of God's grace in the midst of these types of sins. Ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Zacchaeus was this guy. He was a, he was a tax collector. He was, he was despised by his people because he was a traitor. And he, he, he was a tax collector from the one point because what you would do is you would take um, what Rome required of taxes, and then as long as you as a uh, native-born Israelite didn't, have a problem being a tax collector because it was hard to get tax collectors to tax their own people, right? Um, the, Rome did look the other way if you wanted to charge a little bit more. So you would steal. You would steal. Every tax collector was, was taking money on the side, was overcharging. They hated, they, they equated tax collectors as worse than adulterers. The tax collectors and the sinners. All right? They were on the same evil scale, right? They weighed the same. Zacchaeus was saw a lacking in his humanity and his being in his in his god his god-ordained image bearing right so he, he he sought jesus out on the road and he was a wee little man so he got to get a viewpoint of jesus and he got jesus attention by climbing up a tree jesus said i'm going to your house today to Zacchaeus i want to go to your house and this was scandalous because you don't go to a tax collector's house, be like going to a brothel. You don't do that, Jesus. You can't do that. He went anyway. And just a moment of time, an afternoon with Jesus. And Zacchaeus is saying like this, this day, I'm gonna give half of what I earned to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, which he knew he, knew he had, I'm gonna give it back four times, fourfold. His life was changed. His practices were changed. The conviction of his heart led him down a path. When Jesus enters the picture, the bad practices of our life can and will change. But we've got to give it over to him. Number two, thief. Jesus spent the entire morning and day being brutalized by humanity. He's hanging on a cross with nails through his hands between two thieves. One of them is spouting off on him, is giving him, if you're the king of Jews, if you're the Messiah, to come down from that cross and take us with you. Why would I do that? But he's, into it. he's like, if it's going to happen, I'm going to get in on this. But the other guy, he's blaspheming God. And the other man says, don't you realize, we, we, we deserve these crosses. This man's done nothing. And he looks at Jesus and he says, remember me today, when you, when, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. This guy is a thief. He deserves his punishment. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Everything that you did wrong has now just been expunged from your record And you are going to pass from death to eternity with Jesus. Why? Because he went to Jesus with his repentance. He said, I'm a a sinner. I don't deserve, I deserve this death. Jesus, you don't. But when you go into your kingdom, remember me. He said, you got it, pal. You and me today in paradise. That's how we break the chains. That's where hope exists. It's in going to Jesus with our problems and letting him Heal us, last one. Jesus was teaching in the, in, in the city and the religious leaders and the scribes and the Pharisees, they brought this woman before Jesus who was uh, caught. Wow, think about it, caught in the act of adultery. Okay, that's not something you could do on your own, by the way. But they brought the woman and they threw at Jesus' feet and they said, This woman has been caught in the uh, act of adultery. The law says she should be stoned. What do you say? Jesus looked at the woman, looked at the crowd, and he ignored them. He ignored them, and he started doodling in the ground. And they're getting mad because he's not making the judgment. And they said, Jesus, you know, make your judgment. So he said, okay, here's the judgment. Whoever here is without sin, you get to chuck the first rock. And the gospels say that the crowd was stunned and the rock started to drop from their hands, starting, I think it's an interesting uh, addition to the gospel, starting with the oldest. The oldest guy's like, oh, dang. (laughs) Just kidding, I'm out. <laughs> the young guy's like, yeah, I got some life to live. Let's do this, you know. And the older guy's like, I'm out, I'm out. Wisdom, there's wisdom there. And they started to drop. And they started to back away and leave. And the woman's just there. And Jesus looks back up at her, I don't know, making doodles in the, in the sand. And he said, where, woman, where is your accuser? And she says, none, Lord, they've all gone. And he says, neither do I accuse you condemn you, I should say. Neither do I condemn you. But he doesn't stop there. He didn't stop there. He says, it's okay, don't worry about it. I don't condemn you either. He said this, go and stop doing the sinful things you were doing. Go and sin no more. When you've been redeemed and forgiven of the things that you've done in the past, the, the, the mess we've made of our minds, the culture that we're in. When we have an encounter with Christ and he forgives us, we go away changed. We don't go away the same way. We go away, we don't do the same things over again. And guess what? If you struggle with it, welcome to the club. We keep giving it over to God. We say, God, I'm so, forgive me. I, I, want to, I want to be cleansed from this and I keep falling into this. But it's, don't say it's okay, it's not okay. I can be redeemed from this sin by the power of Jesus who rescued me and didn't condemn me. Three stories of, 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 of resurrection, of, of redemption from these types of things that exist in our culture. And I'm just gonna let you in on a little secret. These things are universal. Every age, every... People have been gossiping since the beginning. I mean, Eve did it with Satan. Satan. People been talking bad about other people ever since the beginning. People been th- stealing other people's stuff all along. And people, the oldest profession <laughs> in history is the sex trade, right? So this is not new stuff. We are human condition. That's why it's in the 10. Because God says, because these things are such a big issue for humanity, and they're so against my original design for you, I'm going to, Put them up, and I'm going to write them down, and I want you to write them, not on tablets, but on your hearts. And when you do that, when you do that, you will find a lot more peace and joy. You will find the guilt and shame start to melt away. You will find that your families are going to be stronger. Your relationships are going to be better Your marriage is going to be better. Your sex life is going to be better. These things will make a difference. Can I just say before I close on this thing, God loves you guys so much. He doesn't give us these instructions because he hates us. The opposite is true. He gives us these things so that we can have a life abundantly. Abundant life. It's like that commercial. Try it, Mikey. You might like it. Oh, I'm dating myself on that one. (laughs) Mikey will eat anything. Try it. I'm telling you, God's word will always prove to be true and faithful And will bear fruit. God, I thank you that you care about the intimate parts of our lives. Lord, you've given us this, this institution of marriage so that we can be one flesh. I don't think we even understand the power of that statement anymore in our culture one flesh two people functioning as one it's the right brain left brain combination it's it's really the pinnacle of human existence is one flesh god i pray that we would revere it as much as you revere it god i pray right now lord for my brothers and sisters who have struggled with these things we all have, like sheep, have gone astray, each one of us our own way. But you laid on him the iniquity of us all. So God, I pray that we would go to you. Wherever, whenever somebody brought their stuff to you, they went away changed, healed, and restored. So God, help us today to understand that morality is so vitally important to healthy civilization. This country will not survive an immoral culture. It won't. It needs immoral people in order to self-govern properly. So God, help us as a church to not fall into the paths of the, of the world's culture, but to be a light shining in the darkness, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Give us strength through your Holy Spirit to have victory over these things that plagued our humanity since the very first sin. We ask this in Jesus' name and through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I appreciate you guys hanging with me here on this one. God bless you. Go into your world. Make a difference for Christ. God bless. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. To find out more about New Life Church or to plan a visit, go to our website at discovernewlife.org.